so glad that you're here. Uh, we are starting a brand new series tonight called Enemies. It's a series that I did a long time ago. Um, I'm so thankful for this teaching and I'm excited about uh, sharing with you tonight. We are in a 21-day uh, spiritual warfare battle. We are getting ready to see what God is going to do. And so tonight we're going to start off with Enemies Part 1 and that will be, uh, we're going to talk about the flesh. So I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Amen. Uh, this is such a powerful scripture. When you began your walk with God, uh, one of the first realizations probably that dawned on you was that something or someone was not happy about you being born again. And so in your newfound experience, Jesus Christ became uh, this wonderful thing uh, in your life, this awesome thing in your life, but you became the object of attack with the insinuation maybe that you even never received the Holy Ghost. And some of you have dealt with that. Others' uh, thoughts and feelings and doubts and fears began to confront the joy that you had from being saved. And enemies would like to destroy us. That they, they would like to take our souls to hell. That's the age-old story of the redeemed. Singly and collectively, forces attack our mind, our body, and our soul, and our spirit in a concerted effort to separate us from the love of God. Satan's devices and, their, and his darts are extremely numerous, and he uses them to defeat and ultimately destroy every single person on earth that he can. But let's not give honor to our enemies, but let's expose them for what they really are. They are enemies. They are the enemies of our soul. Three basic areas that I want us to cover in the next three weeks are this. The flesh, the world, and the devil. When you analyze your problems and your trials and your temptations, you will find that the root cause stemming from one, uh, usually come from one of these areas. And so when we look at the flesh, we look at the world, we look at the devil. If you look at the flesh, the word flesh doesn't refer to the physical flesh of the human body. If you look it up in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, you can find the following meaning. It's flesh it comes from the Greek word sarx, which indicates human nature with its frailties and passions. It also encompasses carnality and being carnally minded. So you probably heard somebody say that, don't be so carnally minded. The scripture even tells us that. But where did we find the origin of flesh? Well, when man fell in the Garden of Eden, the law of sin, Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 25, or the sin principle, as we might call it, became part of the human race. This corrupt, defiled, sinful nature is automatically transmitted through the procreation process. Humanity's bloodline uh, not only carries and transmits physical death, but spiritual death as well. We read that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 9 through 17, 3, 1 through 7, and Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. We inherit from our father Adam our evil nature, which tends to sin. 
Nothing in this world can remove this nature from us as long as we live. The nature that we receive from Adam is a permanent part of every nationality and it's passed on from generation to generation and it's something that each and every one of us have to deal with. God does not take away uh, human desires or feelings or tendencies when we get saved. Our soul is redeemed and it's saved, but our body or the flesh that we have to deal with is not. We have this treasure, the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel and we get a redeemed body when Jesus catches away his church, 1 Thessalonians 4 and Romans 8. But right now, in the meantime, we're dealing with our flesh. God's word calls this the redemption of the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then and only then, when we are caught away with Jesus Christ, will you and I be free from the flesh as we know it today. The scripture talks about the works of the flesh and, and they're clearly outlined and defined by the Apostle Paul. These works of the flesh help us to pinpoint the very basis of our problem. You can look up the meanings of each of these words in as many sources as you have available to you. And there's so many, especially online today. But these are the works of the flesh as told to us by Paul. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. Now Paul closes this list with kind of a, a catch-all phrase. He says, and such like, and such like, Covered under this phrase, such like are the evil inventions and devices of Satan for all time that smack of the works of the flesh. And you might be thinking to yourself, what are you talking about? Anything that promotes or incites conduct related to the above uh, that we just read, those things should be done away with. They should be shunned in our life because carnal actions and desires have got to be curbed and controlled through a biblical method in order for us to thwart Satan's plan to destroy you and I. One or all of these works of the flesh are lethal enemies to the, to the spiritually minded child of God. The scripture gives us facts concerning the flesh. The scripture tells us all kinds of things. It helps us to know the enemy that we're dealing with. So here are some scriptural facts that you can take to the bank relating to your flesh. For your own benefit, I urge you to research them further and discover the full scope of what they reveal. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, it tells us that the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that the will of the flesh is against the will of God. We have to deal with the will of our flesh. We have to put it in uh, to God's uh, proper order. The flesh profits us nothing that's another uh, one. In Galatians 5.16, the lust of the flesh are exposed. 1 Peter 2.11 and Ephesians 2.3. In 2 Corinthians 7.1, we see the filthiness of the flesh is spoken of. And then if we go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, we find that the desires of the flesh are mentioned. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, we see that the flesh is not to be trusted. In Galatians 6 and verse 8, the flesh, when if we sow to the flesh, we will reap, the scripture says, corruption. 
Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11 tells us that the sins of the flesh are, and it explains what we have to deal with. Jude one twenty three: the flesh spots our garment of righteousness. We've got to deal with the flesh. Jeremiah 17.5, the flesh is not to be leaned upon. In John 3, 6, and Galatians 4, 23 through 29, the birth of the flesh versus the birth of the spirit. God's word covers the complete spectrum of the flesh, exposing it to the natural eye for you and I to help us to be able to get saved and stay saved. And when we're armed with this knowledge, we can prepare ourselves accordingly. The scripture tells us very clearly that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So this is what the flesh has to deal with. Inside this earthly temple, there abides both the sin principle and the Holy Ghost when we have been born again. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and also chapter 6. It's a veritable treasure according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. See, here's the deal. Christ wants to be our Lord. And Satan wants to be the Lord of our life. And that's where the conflict ensues. The scripture says, Galatians 5, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Several synonymous terms that we have today describe our condition and our position as believers or children of the Most High. I want you to study uh, in contrast these seven because they matter so much and they will help you better understand the conflict that's going on in your life right now. First of all, it's the two births. Each and every saint of God has experienced two separate distinct births in his life, one natural and one spiritual. With these two experiences, how can we expect less than a struggle? They are at war with one another. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, John 3, 6. We are born naturally of blood, of the will of the flesh, but, uh, and, and of the will of man, according to John 1, 13. And the scripture tells us in John 3, 6, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Receiving the Holy Ghost is the birth of the spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts 2, 38. Acts uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. So here's the allegory. I want you to study in Galatians chapter 4, 23 to 29. Closely look at, look at the two sons. Ishmael was born, the scripture says, after the flesh. Isaac was born, the scripture says, after the spirit there's two two different distinct births there are two natures every christian by nature the fact that he's a christian possesses two natures one fleshly and one divine you are dealing with the war of your two natures we by our natural birth we have human carnal and earthly natural desires we read about that in ephesians 2 3 and romans 1 26 but because we have been born again, we are made partakers of the divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4. Both of these natures want to rule, so a fight ensues, and that's what you feel. That's the tension. There are two walks. Walk in this instance mean uh, to order one's behavior or conduct. Two roads rise to meet us. Jesus said that one was narrow and the other one was broad. Before you choose one, you got to look at its destiny because both of these roads are leading you somewhere. We can walk in the flesh according to Paul, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, and Romans 8, 4. Or the scripture tells us there's an alternative path. Paul now presents a walk in the spirit with better benefits than just walking in the flesh. We read that in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, that we can walk in the spirit. Beyond that, there are two laws. And law, what I would define that as a principle rather than a decree or command. I'm talking about principles, biblical principles. 
Okay, so the law of sin and death refers to the original sin principle that man possessed and was, was taken with at the fall, Romans 8, 1 and 2. The law of the spirit of life delivers and makes us free from the law of sin and death. We read that in Romans 7, 18 through 25. So we have two natures. We have two uh, of, uh, of our uh, walks and we have two fathers. In Adam, we all die. But in Christ, we are all made alive. Adam and Christ, they serve as the federal head of the two distinct generations. The Christian has both as a father. From each, we inherit a nature, a mind, and we will along with all the other attributes. Adam is our father in the flesh. And when we go to the fountainhead of the human race, we see that 1 Corinthians 15, 22, and also Romans chapter 5. But Christ is our, earth, our heavenly Father. By uh, and through Him and His Word, we are begotten into a lively hope. 1 Peter 1, 23, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, and also Romans chapter 5. We have two fathers. We not only have two fathers, but we have two minds. And this is where some of you are like, I don't think we're supposed to be double-minded. No, now that we're saved, we have the mind of the flesh and the mind of the Spirit to contend with. The intellect, the wisdom, the knowledge, they both seek to direct our paths. Romans 8, 5, Ephesians 2, 3, Philippians and, and Colossians. Colossians 2, 18, 1 Peter 1, the carnal mind that's enmity against God. It seeks to dominate our thought life and, and give us directions, Romans 8, 6, and 7. And our spiritual mindedness brings life and peace, the scripture says, when we walk after the bidding of the Spirit and the Word of God, Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. So we have two men, two different bodies not two, uh, two different bodies in our physical sense, but in one body there dwells two different men that Paul describes to us, the old man and the new man. The old man is the carnal, the sinful, and the fleshly man that is born with the tendencies of, of a carnal man. It's, it's called the outward man in Romans 6, 6 and Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Paul describes the other man, though, as the new man or the inward man that needs renewing, Romans 6, 6 and Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, and also 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Paul tells us what to put on as well as what to put off. This, this man, he says, we got to put on something and we got to take something off. We got to put something off. Colossians 2, 11 and also Colossians 3, 8 through 14. You can very easily and very readily see what a complicated position that we are in with the enemy of our soul in the world, but not of the world, belonging to Christ with Satan wanting us back. And daily we've got to die to our flesh and we've got to walk after the spirit if we're going to be saved. We have an enemy that is coming after us. It's our own flesh. The enemy is me. The scriptural method, though, for us to control the flesh is very clear. Our Bible is concise and it's very, very plain on how we are to handle this enemy of our soul. It's not pleasant. It's the, the method is very successful, but it's not pleasant. The scripture tells us we are to crucify the flesh in order to be alive unto God. Do you know that crucifixion was a means of death that was frowned upon by both God and man? Nobody liked crucifixion. Crucifixion is, is one of history's most shameful ways to die. God's word declares that those who are crucified are to be cursed of God, Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23. 
Christ was made a curse for us through his crucifixion. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. And now you and I, we have the responsibility the scripture gives us of crucifying the flesh in a spiritual sense as a means of controlling our flesh. Our old man, the scripture tells us, is crucified with him. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Paul, he said he was crucified with Christ in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Galatians 5, 22 through 25 tells us. A cross, a cross, that's the means by which we are crucified to the world and the world is crucified to us. Galatians 6 and 14. Discipleship has three prerequisites we find in Luke chapter 9 and chapter 14. Here it is. We're to deny ourselves. Number one, we're to deny ourselves. Number two, we're to take up our cross daily. Take up our cross daily. And number three, we are to follow him. We're to follow him. Prayer, fasting, Bible study, church attendance, altar work, communion, washing the saints' feet, loving our enemies, giving our time and money, and witnessing are a few of the ways that we can crucify our flesh. Every lawful, allowable human desire, no matter how scriptural, must come at some time to a place to be cured, controlled, and abstained from for a season. This is how we crucify the flesh. We need to deal with our flesh. We need to deal with our sin nature. Uh, the, the number one enemy that we are talking about in this series is our flesh. What is your flesh doing to you right now? What is your flesh trying to pull you into? You need to wake up. You need to realize that you can deal with it now. What is the way that God gives us to deal with it? We have to crucify it. We have to put it on the cross. So tonight in closing, I want to urge you, I want to just just strongly urge you. I want to call out to somebody right now. I know that this is maybe not what you wanted. Maybe, maybe your flesh was, is trying to tell you, turn this off. Don't pay attention to it. Amen. But we can deal with our flesh. We have to crucify it. We have to put it, amen, on the cross. And we have to say, Jesus, whatever you want for my life, whatever your word says for me, it's not what I want, but it's God, what you want in my life. And if you'll take the time tonight, right now, if you'll just take the time and you'll find a place and you'll put your flesh on the cross, you'll say, not what I want, God, but what you want. I promise you, that's the only way to deal with your flesh. That's the only way to make uh, your, your flesh behave and obey, amen, is to put it on the cross, to, to crucify it and to say, God, I want what you want in my life. Each and every one of us have different struggles. Each and every one of us are tempted and pulled by different things. The scripture says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And we're pulled into things that we know we shouldn't do. We're pulled into things we know we shouldn't be involved in. But somewhere along the way, we have got to say, God, I'm going to deal with my flesh. If we're going to make it to heaven, if we're going to become everything God wants us to be, we're going to first have to deal with the enemy of our flesh. Today, you have the opportunity. Why don't you take that opportunity right now? Why don't you repent and turn to God and ask God to forgive you of everything that you have done or said or thought that you know is not pleasing to Him? Why don't you repent and ask God to forgive you of everything that you know you've sinned in your life? 
And then if you've not yet been baptized, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away all of your sins. And God will fill you with his precious gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and you will receive his spirit. You'll speak in a language that you didn't learn and God will empower you, amen, to crucify your flesh on a daily basis and to exalt him in your life and give him glory. Would you take time to talk to him right now?
Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us tonight. I want to encourage you to join us again on Sunday. We're going to continue our series of shift and God's going to do some incredible things. Amen. We're looking forward to being back together with everyone in person. And I hope that you'll join us again next week. We're excited about part two. We're going to be talking about the world and dealing with the things of the world in our lives. But right now, why don't you just uh, encourage somebody? Why don't you reach out to somebody and let them know you love them and you're praying for them? Amen. Why don't you tell them, hey, we can conquer these enemies in our lives and God is going to give us the victory. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again very soon.